Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why can't women put on mascara with their mouths shut? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce tonight's guests. Firstly, the mysterious and ethervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather played a country music record backwards this week, and got her dog, truck, job, and man back. Welcome to the show, (laughs) Heather. Hello. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim realised this week that growing up in the 80s taught her one thing, that her and her friends should have found a treasure map by now. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. That seemed to be the plot, didn't it, of most films back in the 80s that were cheaply produced. (laughs) Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim despite her lack of treasure map, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and cables than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Greg realised this week that the best way to tune his banjo was with wire cutters. Welcome to the show, Greg. (laughs) I think we're all in agreement there. 
This is Series 2, Episode 61. 61 is a glorious number. You wouldn't think many things would be fabulous about the number 61. But I have a cornucopia. I have a plethora. My horn of plenty runneth over with facts to do with 61. 61 is the dialing code that will put you through to Australia. We have many listeners in Australia, of course. A big hello to all of them. An Australian married couple were sitting in their living room. And the man said to his wife, just so you know, I never want to live in a vegetative state, dependent on some sort of machine and fluid from a bottle. If that ever happens, just pull the plug. So his wife got up, unplugged the TV and threw all of his beer away. (laughs) (laughs) Highway 61 runs from up here in Minnesota, the city of Wyoming, to be precise, all the way south, 1,000 406 miles to Louisiana in New Orleans. It has given its name to the Bob Dylan album. If you had a chance to listen to Bob Dylan's album, Highway 61, it's very good. And it was also a 1991 film, again called Highway 61. Two old friends from New Orleans were out playing golf. And one of the friends, halfway through his tee shot, suddenly stopped. Halfway through his shot, in mid-stroke, just stopped, took off his cap bowed his head as a funeral procession went by and his friend said wow i've never seen anything so touching that's remarkable and his friend said well we were married for 40 years (laughs) ice hockey legend wayne gretzky currently holds 61 nhl records i read this week in a minnesota newspaper that during a career day in an elementary school the pupils had to stand up and tell the class about what their dad does for a living and one young boy stood up and said his dad worked in a gay bar and he danced naked for other men to watch for large sums of money the teacher was so shocked by this apparently that she called for an early recess and the rest of the class went out and then she sat down with the boy and said is this true about your dad and the boy said no but he was too embarrassed to say that his dad played for the minnesota wild <laughs> and that is satire, ladies and gentlemen, or more questions than answers. The only apparently now satirical paranormal news radio show anywhere in the world. I love our mailbag. Each week, I read all of your fabulous emails. I read the comments that are posted on Facebook. Mary in Minnesota has written awesome show again this week that's very kind of you mary i appreciate that desiri in northern tasmania australia posted i can't wait to read the book how to be a christian psychic by adrian lease that's very kind of you to say that as well whilst you're sat there unplugging your husband's tv and throwing all of his beer away i would like to say very quickly that if you have read any of my books mysterious minnesota or how to be a christian psychic for example if you can leave reviews on amazon that would help authors amazingly any book in fact if you've read any book and enjoyed it make sure you get onto amazon post a review because the publishers do listen to those and if you get so many reviews then that takes that further and amazon actually promotes that more of course if you don't like my books then obviously don't post anything would be my advice (laughs) but a good job adrian would be fantastic (laughs) if you can manage that that's how to be a christian psychic what the bible says about healers mediums and paranormal investigators heather you look like you was about to jump in yeah i was going to hazard a guess and say that her name is actually desiree oh that's possible you say potato (laughs) it's all good it's all good i'm glad you pointed that out to me obviously i'm writing this with an english accent so thank you for for pointing that out we don't want anyone to be happy in tasmania (laughs) 
this is where the Tasmanian <laughs> devil, devil comes, from. comes from. So we need, we don't want that whizzing through here. That would be terrible. <laughs> Perhaps you can write to me and tell me how to actually pronounce your name properly. That'd be great. And thank you, Heather, for pointing that out live on air to all of our thousands of listeners. Michelle in New, are you happy with Michelle, or would you prefer Michelle? Whichever. Okay. Well, and Michelle in New York has written, "You've got me saying squirrel now." I'm not quite sure what that means. Does that mean you've suddenly become susceptible to Tourette's, but only for small mammals? Is she now going around grocery store shouting out squirrel to people? This is what's happening here. Don't know. I find that very odd. I once suffered from Lorette's, of course, and spent a week going around shouting out broccoli and cauliflower. My mother has written to me this week. She wrote to me and said, why can't you say anything nice about me? She said every time I mention my mother, she's either snoring or there's some sort of joke to do with gaseous admissions or some sort of childhood scrapes that were very funny. She said, why can't you say something nice about me? So my mother makes fabulous spaghetti. I just like to mention that. And she draws fabulous (laughs) turtles on all of my birthday cards. We had a pet turtle called Freddy when I was a small boy. It gives you an indication of my life that my parents took me into a pet shop when I was five or six and said, you can have anything you want. And of course, there was a menagerie of animals to choose from. And I came out with a tortoise. Yeah, it's the only thing that couldn't run away from you. This is where we are. (laughs) Heather's on minus two. I love that turtle. I know. The fun we had together. We used to run over (laughs) heel and dow through meadows. We went fishing together. I'd take that tortoise for a drag (laughs) everywhere. It had a skateboard to sit on. And you loved dandelions? It was partial to dandelions, yes. This was tortoise was Houdini. It used to dig up underneath fences it would you told me a story that your yard did not have dandelions and you asked to get some from your neighbor i actually knocked on the neighbor's door and said can my tortoise have all your dandelions yeah take as many take as many weeds off of my lawn as you wish so i went and dug up all her weeds i don't know who got the best deal there but my tortoise was very very happy about that you can access at any time our facebook site more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, all of tonight's stories and all of the videos and photographs and comments and much, much more are on there if you wish to join us. I have a Twitter account called Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. That's T-I-P-S for the International Paranormal Society. We currently have 81,000 followers on there. We have archives, of course. We have iTunes. If people wish to leave comments on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. We also have SoundCloud. If you go to soundcloud.com and type in MQTA Radio, all of our shows over the last three years are there for you to listen to. Any time of the day or night, if you're in the gym, walking the dog or taking your turtle for a drag around the shops, they're all on there. We have a YouTube channel as well with some funny outtakes on if you feel like having a laugh. The best six minutes of radio and hilarity is on there again under more questions than answers with adrian lee and we have a website that you can also access called adrian lee psychic.com we've had such a fun packed show recently that despite may being penetrated fully now by a couple of weeks i have yet to read out any fun and fascinating facts about the month of may so i'm now going to amend that and there are points to be had of course may is named after the greek goddess maya the goddess of what here we are early points to be one maya the greek god of what what are we going to go salad the greek god of salad mayonnaise the god of salad (laughs) (laughs) this is a god that you don't worship by i'm judging by i'm just this isn't a god many americans are familiar with is it the god of salad this is where we are (laughs) 
with her minions, lettuce and tomato, following her around in close company. So May is named after the Greek god of salad. What's a Greek salad? It's like feta and olives and so forth. See? You're going Doesn't with that. that. Good? You're on minus two. I would be taking this show more seriously, madam. You're going with the god of salad. That's right. Every day she's out there worshipping her vegetable patch, waiting for her lettuce to come up. That's right. That's where I can I can tell you're not worshipping salad. I can tell that from here, straight off the bat. What are you... Ah! That's going to leave a mark. Wow, it's a bit early for physical violence. That normally comes in the strange and the bizarre round. Kim, what are we going with? Maya, the Greek goddess of... Spring is always fertility. Wow. Greg, what are we going to go with? Seeing your I wife just said May is always fertility. Not happening. No. <laughs> Not live on air, I hope. <laughs> Kim's actually 100% right. She is the goddess of fertility and salad. <laughs> <sighs> Why am I here? This is true. Kim's got two points for that. In the 1990s, the USA census, May was the most common surname, 264th. It was the 264th most common last name in America in a 1990 U.S. census. For points, I want you to name all the last names that came before it. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, a joke. I'm not, I'm not. There'd be a lot of points at stake. But yes, if your last name is May and your name is Brian, you are 264th most common name, last name in America. May was, in fact, the third month on the early Roman calendar. Do you remember in the previous shows we discussed how they changed mm-hmm. which month was going to be the first month of each year? It makes sense to start with spring, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know how they messed that up. May is International Respect for Chickens Month, where we all stop and let them cross the road without issue and being made fun of. I once kept a chicken that swallowed an elastic band and it laid the same egg three times. <laughs> in New Zealand, May is Music Month, so I'm guessing four weeks of playing Crowded House is happening there at the moment. In America, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, Jewish American Heritage Month, and National Moving Month. So if you're the actor Shea LaBeouf, um, if we can help him to leave America, we'll be crossing off all our bases and uh, crossing all our T's and dotting all our I's and getting that sorted out. Today is Friday the 13th we can't let this go by without having a mention of course the interesting thing about friday the 13th that friday the 13th isn't in itself very unlucky it's the fact that friday was very unlucky and the number 13 was very unlucky and then somewhere in the last 100 years the two got put together so specifically friday the 13th isn't seen as unlucky but the things that happened on friday friday was seen as unlucky because christ of course was crucified crucified do you see what i did there i put a bit of friday into his crucifixion he was crucified on a friday of course eve offered adam the apple on a friday i've no idea how they know that i don't know some sort of calendar was looked at i'm guessing and many other biblical misfortunes like the flood it's been raining so hard this week that greg's been building an ark in his back garden this is true misfortunes abound apparently on a friday throughout the bible i'm not going to read them all out now of course and uh, it was even declared an unlucky day in the writings of Chaucer as far back in Canterbury Towers in the 14th century. I was actually born on a Friday. Did you know that? No. Do you know what days you were born on? Any idea? Greg, when was you born? No, what day? no idea. I don't know either. No clue. So no one around this room knows what day they were born on. Couldn't be bothered. Just me. I'm sure your mother <laughs> remembers. 
the day I was born, the very day I was born, on a Friday, half past ten in the evening, I even know the time, was the very minute, almost to the second, that the Apollo 13 moon mission crashed back down on Earth. Do you remember the Tom Hanks film where they were having issues and their tanks exploded and they couldn't get back down and they were worried all the astronauts were going to die? The moment my head was poking out into the fresh air for the very first time, someone came running into the ward and said they got down safe because that was the news all over the world. So when I went to watch that film, as soon as that little capsule hit the water with the parachutes, I was thinking of my birthday uh, emergence is what I was going to go with. But birthday, yeah, true enough. Mm -hmm. So Friday's very... Friday is also named after Frigg, the old Norse goddess of war, death, magic and salads and many other things. (laughs) And then 13 is considered to be unlucky. So he said Friday's unlucky. 13, of course. 13, Judas was the 13th disciple at the Last Supper and he betrayed Jesus. Again, it's unlucky in Norse culture as the 13th god to turn up at a feast was mischief. And he showed up there to cause lots of grief and aggravation. And in ancient Hindu culture, it's also considered to be unlucky to have a gathering of 13 people. So you either want 12 or 14 is where we are. You could hire just a guest to come along. We've got 13 people. It's unlucky. Let's call party guest. Let's go on partyguest.com. We'll get an extra person to come in. That will be the 14th. And of course, in Egyptian culture, there were 13 stages of life with the 13th being death so friday was unlucky 13th was unlucky and the two have been put together i have a cat named egypt because she leaves pyramids in every room (laughs) we have a paranormal talk radio show i'm going to start the first round in ghosts and hauntings with a story that says a university in spain will force its students to attend a course on exorcisms the university college of barbarian and Colin has made the attendance at the lecture called The Evil compulsory for its 196 students. The bizarre course will be led by Roman Catholic priest Jose Antonio Cucurul, believed to be an expert on the controversial practice. It will cover fields related to the devil, exorcisms and being possessed and hell. Well, perhaps they've stayed in some of the same Spanish hotels as I have. Father Cookerall has previously written a manual on exorcism, but the priest made headlines in 2010 when he defended the Vatican after the Pope's chief exorcist claimed the child sex abuse scandals rocking the church were evidence of the devil's presence there. And the move is believed to have angered some of the student body, although no one has yet lodged a complaint or attempted to be excused. Fingers would be pointing, wouldn't they, if you look to be excused from a lecture on the evil and exorcisms. Just see where we are. If Heather Morris turned up, I'd be standing behind her with a fire blanket, is where we are. (laughs) You'd walk into that auditorium, there'd be a whooshing sound and a big flash of light and there'd be lots of flames and you'd be rolling around the floor, praying to the god of salads for deliverance (laughs) and I'd be there with a fire blanket. Don't worry, if you was at death's door, I'd pull you through. (laughs) The college is connected to the University of Madrid and is funded by Spain's Defence Ministry. Exorcisms are not associated solely with Catholicism, but were made famous by the 1973 film The Exorcist, in which a Catholic priest attempts to cast out a demon possessing a Spanish teenage girl played by Consuela Blair. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? I've got eerie dash cam footage has left viewers baffled as it appears to show the moment 
a ghost car slams into a truck at a busy set of crossroads. A ghost car. A ghost phantom car. car. Yes. The eerie video shows traffic turning right before a silver car suddenly appears in the middle of an intersection and crashes into one of the signaling cars. Dashcam owners posted the footage on social media where it has now been viewed more than 190,000 times. Tom Treverton wrote on Facebook, where did that car come from? I've watched it a few times and I still can't see it. Was he Welsh? Yes. Okay, you've now <laughs> Petey Mason added, where the heck did that Astra even come from? What is an Astra? A Vauxhall Astra. It's, it's a British, Vauxhall in Britain is GM Motors and a Vauxhall uh, Astra would be like a model of car for GM Motors in Britain. Is it what, the size of a Fiat or it's what? It's like a saloon car. Yeah. What's a saloon car? What is this? What's my car? <laughs> Let me give sorry. you two points for working. What's a saloon car? What is you... that one you take to the bar or what? <laughs> yes, it's a car specifically designed to drive backwards and forwards to the bar. It's a drinking car. Of Yay. course it is. What do you call a family sedan, is it? Yeah. Okay, it's a saloon car in Britain. This is where we are. How's that funny? Stop colluding. This I'm thinking of can-can women by the car. Okay. Do you know what a can-can? Yes, it's in France. It's the Moulin Rouge. I've been there. All right. See, I have yeah, seen I such see wonders. dancing in front of your saloon car. Okay, I'll think about that tonight <laughs> when the show's finished. Uh, well, apparently this P.D. Mason said he couldn't see the car either, and he's watched it dozens of times. The car just appears out of just nowhere appears out and of... causes a crash. Yeah. But other users agreed that the silver car had just run a red light and might have been slightly obscured from view by the rain and spray on the road. It was fastly trying to get to the bar and get a drink down. That's right. Uh, One viewer wrote, have to admit, my Nissan Patrol, silver and black, seems to activate a cloak of invisibility on rainy days. Is that Nissan the same as a Nissan? Okay, just thought I'd mention it. I promise not to. uh, I won't interfere with your vernacular for the rest of the show. How's that? Well, this is a good way to show why you must have your headlights on during overcast rainy days and also when the sun starts to set. We've noticed that quite a bit where people aren't driving around with their lights on when it's rainy out. We can't see them. This is true. This is a public information service. Yeah. See, we're trying to help you. It is not known if anyone was actually hurt in the crash. The phantom car. There have been stories throughout history of inanimate objects, especially vehicles, being ghostly. There's been ghost ships sighted, hasn't there? Do you remember? There's been various Mm -hmm. stories. The Murray Celeste would be an example. That's where you find the treasure maps. There you go. Kim's on it. She's 30 years late, but she's on it. There we go. And there's phantom trains. I've seen phantom stories of locomotives and trains. And there's books about the Great Lakes, of course, and all the ships that sunk around the Great Lakes. This should be a car. Cars can be ghostly too, yeah. can't they? You would think so. You can have points despite the fact that you happen to complain about my use of the English language. <laughs> a teeny Indian village has been plagued by a spate of suicides, and locals think demon spirits are to blame. Badi in Kargon district has just 2,500 residents, but officials have recorded more than 350 people taking their own lives in the last two decades. All 320 families in the area have lost at least one person to suicide, according to the village head, Mr. Sosodia. 
In a disturbing twist, the numbers have surged this year, with 80 suicides recorded in the first three months of 2016. Mr Sosadia took over as village head after his cousin Jeevan hanged himself from a tree. His mother and brother have also taken their own lives. He says that deaths have been caused by a demonic presence, and locals have tried in vain to halt the suicide spree. Baddy is not only the place dealing with such an issue. Canadia's Atawatapiskat. Okay. It's in Canada, apparently. You, did you say Canada? I'd say yes, Canada, actually. <laughs> Do you want it Canada or is it okay like this? It's great. Was forced to declare an emergency last month after dealing with 100 suicide attempts in September 2015. The area's chief, Bruce Sishish, said... <laughs> They ought to put a vowel in occasionally to help a guy out. I'm nailing this, I tell you. Said the youngest person to attempt to take their own life was just 14 years old. Scientists think the suicides in Baddy could be caused by local farmers using too many pesticides. But this has not been officially confirmed. This is the ideal opportunity to talk about nature versus nurture. This is a very small village in India with more suicides than should be percentage average of population right so are you born with something chemically imbalanced that makes you depressed that makes you want to commit suicide that whatever you do you're destined to do because you're born that way do you see what i mean because in a small village if you go back two or three hundred years everyone's going to be related and have the same dna and genes right Mm -hmm. so is that being born with a predisposition to want to then commit suicide or Are we talking about nurture? Are we talking about the fact that the architects in that town did such a poor job that the entire place looks miserable? Someone sold a job lot of battleship grey paint and everything's painted grey and due to upbringing and due to architecture and influences placed on local people. Apparently the local library there uh, only has the DVD box set of Friends to give out and uh, one thing led to another and is that nature versus nurture? Which came first? You see where we are? There's an experiment to be had in that town. I'd be very interested to find out if people wish to read about that story and look at that in greater detail and look at the names that I tried to pronounce. And now, despite the fact that everyone around the table was laughing, they're welcome to do so if they go to our website on Facebook. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Kim, what have you got for us tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Well, first, I'd be interested to see if you got any volunteers for that that experiment. What? That experiment. <laughs> if you're thinking Any volunteers? Of, if you're thinking of hanging yourself, let me know. I can put it on my pie chart. How would that be? It makes me wonder how bad the village looks. Suicides in places like Pilsen in the Czech Republic are huge. But if you've ever been to Pilsen, it's got the highest rate of pollution in the whole of Europe. The river that runs through it is bright green. Everything's got that horrible 1970s Russian architecture with huge monolithic grey buildings plunging themselves into Mother Nature. It's horrific. You come out of the train station, take a deep breath of air, and it smells and tastes like the back of a bus when you turn the ignition on. So you you can understand why people are miserable and people are committing suicide it's got nothing to do with the chemicals in the brain i'm just wondering what that town's like i want to see the tourist information guide to see what sites there are in baddie to see if there's anything there that we can look at if they opened an art gallery put on a few plays painted the place in shades of pink and pastel colors of green we may be over the worst of it is where we are <laughs> just suggestions that's all we're saying here <laughs> A public information service, as we said earlier. Remember, keep your lights on when it's raining. 
Kim, what have you got for me tonight? There are points to be had in here somewhere. Costco starts selling cut-price coffins in Australian stores. Cut-price coffins? Yes. They're I made want out a of, clearance coffin. Oh, yes. Like you're going to have a choice. I'm just going <laughs> to, there's going to be a hole in the yard and we're going to be breaking your limbs to force you in it because I don't want to do too much digging, is where we are. Milk, bread, and a coffin. It's not your average shopping list, but Costco isn't your average supermarket. Burial caskets and coffins went on sale at Costco's wholesale store in Ringwood, Melbourne's East, and there are plans to introduce them to the low cost retailers, seven other Australian stores in the coming months. <laughs> Costco said 14 different coffins and caskets ranging in price from $360 to $3,800 were on offer alongside the store's eclectic mix of groceries, electronics, and household goods. Let's face facts. The one that's $360 is a cardboard box. You can get those at Costco at the end. If you're looking for a box to carry your shopping home, you could just use one of those. On your grave, by the way, are we going to be planting lettuce? When, yes. yes, when you're gone and there's a little, a little mound of earth, you're planning it for May, are you? Yep. <laughs> I'm sure something can be arranged. We'll be sure to get the seed packets. Why didn't you order the seeds in Christmas time, January, and by the time May rolls around, we'll be there to plant your lettuce? How's that? That's perfect. Fantastic. <laughs> there are at least... They are at least half the price of equivalent products sold at funeral homes, potentially saving customers thousands of dollars, according to manufacturer Scientia. Dying is expensive and funeral costs are evidently going higher and higher. You're going to have people that are cost conscious and are going to look for those savings. Mr. Leung said that while some people questioned whether shoppers would buy coffins at a supermarket, pointed to Costco's success doing just that in the United States. I remember we did that story. That is true. We had that story, Heather. Mm -hmm. Uh, Costco's local general manager, Patrick Noon, said he witnessed a mixed response among customers but was confident of strong sales. We're always looking for business we can leverage here in Australia, and we took a look and thought this market could probably do with some more competition. This is an area where we think we can show value, and we're all going to need one, right? This is true, unless you go up in a ball of flames in a field with aeroplane wreckage around you. (laughs) I'm saying we don't all need one. I mean, there's going to be circumstances. I'm sure the astronauts up on the spaceship Challenger didn't need one. I'm just, oh, too soon. My apologies. Too soon. Okay. <laughs> if you're in Australia and thinking of buying one of these, you need to be a member because it's members only chain and then they ship within two days. The coffins are made in either China or Italy from materials including eco-friendly MDF and timber. Uh, Mr. Leung is a former derivatives trader and worked for Morgan Stanley in Hong Kong before moving back to Australia to look for an industry that needed innovation. I would say that was it. Perfect. It's true that back in the pioneer days, in these small towns around the Midwest, you see very similar gravestones and you see the same sort of poems and the same sort of sentences written, the eulogies written on the gravestones. If you're in a small community back in the pioneer days and there's only 200 people living in the town and it's the 1870s, 1860s, you didn't have a stonemason. You didn't have any way of managing to get the granite together and managed to get that cut for a gravestone. You bought your gravestone from Sears and Robot catalogue. They actually had pages dedicated to which kind of gravestone you wanted. And for $3, 
it would come all packaged up in a crate with some straw and for three dollars you could buy your gravestone because in the pioneer days they didn't have access to masons didn't they they had no access to being able to cut granite and so forth so it just reminds me of that this is why you go around all these pioneer cemeteries and you see similar designs similar verses similar poems because they've all bought them from the same catalogues that's how that would work back in the day just reminds me of that the teenage son of a Russian billionaire spoke of how he strangled his mum to death with the cord of a phone charger to expel the devil from her body because she made very poor spaghetti. Igor Sossi, I made that last speaker, I can't <laughs> say that's fact. Igor Sossi, 19, claims he killed his 45-year-old mother, Anastasia Sosina, moments after she propositioned him for sex. When he knocked back her advances, he throttled her to death for half an hour before hitting her in the face at least 20 times, according to a witness. If you was a witness, wouldn't you jump in and stop that at some point? You after the first two punches, so. Yeah, after the first two punches, you'd think, aye, aye, I'd better get in there. Yeah, but no, I'm just going to sit here and count how many times he hits her in the face. Well, we got to 20. That's impressive. Horrific pictures show her lifeless body splayed out across bloodstained sheets following the brutal attack in a hotel suite in the Volga River city of Kazan, where the pair had been staying. The grim new details emerged as Sosin, the son of construction mogul Igor Sosin, is reported to have laid bare the gory circumstances surrounding his mother's death. According to him, she tried to persuade him to be intimate and gave him some pills. Sosin said that he refused to have sex with her and then expelled the devil out of her. It has been reported that a preliminary finding of paranoid schizophrenia was diagnosed after psychiatric examination of Sossin Jr., who was also in possession of half a tin of grey paint and Jennifer Aniston's autobiography. <laughs> As of yet, there's been no official comment on his mental state. If such a diagnosis was confirmed and accepted by the court, he would not face trial for murder or go to jail because he was not responsible for his actions. It is said at the time of her murder, Miss Novakova Susina was seeking treatment for her son over his alleged drug habits, say the Russian media. The teenager told police his mother had given him medication, which resulted in hallucinations. If he would have only enrolled in a Spanish university, all of this could have been avoided. Heather, what have you got for me now in the round of ghosts and hauntings and you need the points? Guess what? You've got a story about a willy. That's not totally <laughs> Okay, that's later in the Not For Your Mother round. The Ghostbusters trailer is most disliked in youtube history the most disliked trailer in youtube, YouTube history, history is ghostbusters yes something for us to all look forward to <laughs> again in july for a film to break records before its release is usually a good sign but such records tend to be for advanced ticket sales or most trailer views they do not tend to register unusually high levels of online dissatisfaction. When the first look at footage from Paul Feig's female-fronted Ghostbusters reboot debuted in March, the reaction encompassed outrage not only that the beloved comedy was being remade, but that the lead character's gender would be altered. Since then, the hating has not abated and the first trailer has now racked up more than half a million thumbs down votes on YouTube. This is not only more than any other trailer. It means that two and a half minute ad earns a place on the streaming channels list of the hundred least liked pieces of content ever. Several things we need to bring up here. Yes. Firstly, mm -hmm. 
we spoke many months ago about the fact in the first two or three seconds of that film words come up that say 30 years ago in new york four mm-hmm. scientists saved the world and we discussed the fact that it was only three scientists the fourth one winston was hired help he wasn't a scientist right so straight in there three seconds in they've already got their own history wrong yep. which says they don't care about the franchise and they're not bothered right secondly they said that this was a standalone film and had nothing to do with the first one yet in the trailer the first thing they do in the opening seconds is make a link to the first one right that makes no sense to me either nope. so they're already damning themselves yes. aren't they what i will go on to say is the lady that's playing one of the lead roles is it mccarthy Yes. She said in an interview recently that she even thought that trailer was terrible. She said she was in the film and she didn't even recognise that trailer and recognise what that was. She said the trailer in no way represented the film. And I'm hoping she's right. She was in the film. She was there in amongst it. If she says the trailer bears no resemblance to the film that she made, there is still hope that the film may be half decent. And the studio makes the trailer not the director and the producer. Does that make sense? You're not convincing me. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm just saying, <laughs> when the actor that's playing the lead role in Ghostbusters turns round on an interview in television and says on the back of that statement you just read out that she doesn't recognise the trailer, why does not the producer and the director of the film make the trailer? I don't understand why the whole package... You know, it's like being a graphic designer and designing an album cover, but I'll do the front cover and I'll make it look great, but you can do all the inside and the back. It doesn't make any sense to me. How long would it take the director and the producer to put together a two-minute advertisement of their own film? I don't understand why the studio has control over that and the producer and the director don't make their own trailer. If I was now the director of that film and I'd wasted two years of my life making that film and I saw that trailer come out and it's terrible, you wouldn't be very happy, would you? That'd be ridiculous. It's, it's, it's making people not want to see your film. So there is still hope as we now move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties. We're going to be standing in a cornfield, banging a drum in the Washington mountains, firing a laser pen into the sky and saying, come and get me. UFO hunters are having a field day after a mysterious black flying object was filmed stalking the California skies in broad daylight. The footage taken by a bystander has been seized upon by conspiracy theorists who claim it is further proof alien spacecraft are visiting Earth. UFO enthusiast Jesse of YouTube channel UFO News claims the object could be an alien spacecraft which became exposed after its cloaking mechanism failed. I once exposed myself after the cloaking mechanism on my zipper failed. I just thought I'd share that with you. (laughs) This is why I'm not allowed to teach anymore. The 34-year-old from Oregon, US, said UFOs have long been theorised to possess some type of cloaking mechanism that would make them invisible to the human eye. Perhaps what we are witnessing was the failure of a similar mechanism, accounting for the highly visible movement over such a populated area. The video shows the unidentified object slowly lurching across the horizon in Oakley Hills, California. It was caught on camera by YouTube user Ian Stanier, who was out on a river when he noticed the massive UFO and whipped out his camera to film it. 
He then sent the clip to Jesse, who took a series of still frames of the video and played them in sequence to establish if the craft was moving. Jesse said the object appears to be absolutely massive. You can judge its approximate size by comparing it to the buildings beneath it, many of which are several stories tall. At first, the object appeared to be stationary, but on closer inspection, we discovered that it was slowly moving across the horizon. The methodical movement combined with its dark and shadowy color gave the object an ominous look and feel. If you wish to see this massive, ominous object exposing itself and want to get a good look and a feel for it, you need to access our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee, where the video is there for you to see to make up your own mind. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? I got a UFO skid mark. A UFO <laughs> skid mark? Yes. Across the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> Alien hunters claim NASA are monitoring mysterious brown smear above the ISS. The International it, Space Station. Yes. There's brown smears. Schmear. Schmears. Yes. That's very Sean Connor, isn't it? Hello, Miss Moneypenny. I like your brown smear. I'd like to show you a schmear. A schmear. <laughs> I'd like some chips and a 99 Cornetto. A bizarre UFO skid mark has been spotted by alien hunters who claim NASA are monitoring a mysterious brown schmear above the International Space Station. Tyler Glockner from Secure Team 10, who posts countless videos to YouTube. Of countless, absolutely <laughs> countless. Of proof of aliens, said the latest footage was taken from the ISS live stream page. He said the camera was zoomed in on an object he first loaded to the page where he describes a faint but visible cigar-shaped UFO or schmear. Uh, Tyler added, this doesn't look like your run-of-the-mill lens flare. He explains the sun is behind the space station, making the, the chances of the lens. You're turning into Sean Connery. <laughs> You're empathically slim. turning before my very eyes into Sean Connery. It's osmosis. I've been watching <laughs> oh, his yeah. movies. Better his beard. There you go. Oh. Yeah, the ball. Oh, Greg. Wow. Wow. He doesn't say much, but when he does, he's on minus two. That's not funny. You've got your mother's beard. It's fine, sweetheart. You keep going. The object is extremely dim. It has sort of a brown color to it, and it almost looks as though it has some movement. So we have a brown schmear above the space station. Wouldn't it be fabulous? Movement. He's got the whole wide world in his pants. Wouldn't it be amazing if the whole universe turned out to be in some giant god's underwear? Oh, God. Exactly. This is where we are. Earth is positioned in a giant god of underwear. There How would go. that be? There you go. When <laughs> male. Male. When you're stretching out to the furthest points of Pluto, you're getting to the waistband. Anything beyond that, anything beyond Pluto, is getting up to the navel area. Just see where we are. The universe is so vast that our solar system can fit in a giant god's underwear. And any probe <laughs> we send out there is either going to get to the belly button regions or around some of the dark matter that's below the knees. Is where we are. And then there's gravitational fields. <laughs> These dark matter areas are holding the universe together. It's like glue, I tell you. And there we are. The International Space Station, unfortunately, because it was parked by Russians, is just down below the biggest smear, the biggest skid mark in God's underwear. Are you done yet? I'm still going. Well, we've got another 15 minutes to fill. I'm happy to keep going. This is good. I've not even talked about the nipples yet. I'm just where we are. I was wondering if you were getting to your anus. <laughs> Everyone was thinking it, but only one person said it. Points there for being 
informative and showing <laughs> moments of awe and wonder. You're now on three. Leicester City fans were left mystified over the weekend, but not because of their club's unlikely Premier League soccer victory. The mystery video was taken as revellers celebrated the Foxes' triumph, as sparked theories that a UFO flew in to join the celebrations. The bizarre blue entity left some viewers speculating that not only was Leicester City's victory out of this world, but some fans were too. The footage shows a small orb hovering in the distance as fans celebrated on the streets. The object can be seen moving rapidly as a reveller is splashed with beer in the foreground. Partying Leicester City fans filled a hospital emergency department to bursting point, forcing bosses to urge people to stay away. Lots of people had alcohol. <laughs> they were drunk. They were good news, sir. We found traces of blood in your alcohol supply. Leicester Royal Infirmaries A and E saw twice as many patients than it normally would on a Saturday night and Sunday morning. Most were treated for minor injuries or alcohol-related incident, a spokesman said. Other had strange burr marks on them and complained about being probed too deeply. So when an orb <laughs> is seen in a basement, it's a ghost. But when it's seen up in the sky, that same orb is then a UFO. You're looking at me with a strange look on your face, Miss Morris. Where are we going with this? Um, I just had a comment you when c- you're done. I'm done. I'm finished. Unless you want to talk about God's nipples, we're, we're over the line and we're finished. It's bunk. It's more bunk, is it? Yes, it's a lens flare. Just saying. I thought lenses had like UV filters on them and the like. Yes. So this drunken revelry, there was not an alien coming down to celebrate... Leicester City celebrating winning the Premier League. It's a lens flare. Whilst we're on the subject, I will say, people, this has nothing to do with the paranormal. Most of this show has little to do with the paranormal, to be fair. But what I will say is that Claudio Ranieri, who is the manager of Leicester City, is an Italian gentleman. And he's friends with Andrea Pacelli, the gentleman who's the tenor and the opera singer. Andrea Pacelli rang up Claudio Ranieri spoke to him in Italian, said, can I turn up, can I be at your last home game when you're given the trophy for winning the league? And Claudio Ranieri said, yeah, come on over, we'll have a cup of tea, bag of chips, fabulous. So Andre Bocelli gets led onto the pitch. I don't think pitch. he really said that. Well, it would have been in Italian, wouldn't it? He probably <laughs> says something like... like uh, we'll have some spaghetti. Yeah, molto bene. My mum makes the best spaghetti. Il non capisco sono inglese. And... Uh, Andrea Bocelli was led onto the pitch. He knocked out a couple of bars of Nessan Dorma, fabulous opera. If anyone gets a chance, this will send a tingle up your spine. It will make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up because Andrea Bocelli sang without any accompaniment out on the pitch, a spur of the moment before the game started, Nessan Dorma, and he did an amazing job. And there was 40,000 Leicester City fans in that stadium that sang in Italian along with him. It was an amazing moment. If you get onto YouTube and mm. see that, you will not be disappointed. But that's where we are. And you, you claim that to be bunk, do you? Uh, no, I liked the song, but... You like the, the song? U- <laughs> that, Puccini, the U- <laughs> that Puccini knocks out a decent number, doesn't he? Did you play it backwards by any chance? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there we go. And I got my spaghetti back. You got your spaghetti back. I'm pleased to hear that. I was upset that you'd lost your pasta earlier. I'm glad you're back with it. This is fabulous. Kim, what have you got for us tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? A two-headed calf declared a godly incarnation after baffling vets and farmers. A two-headed cow. They've been spraying pesticides again, haven't they? Probably. 
Vets have been left shocked after a cow gave birth to a two-headed calf, which has been described as a godly incarnation. The calf is conjoined at the head, but shares the same lower body and was born at a farm near the Indian city of Udapur. Both the farmer and the vets called out to, the, to review the animal, admitted they were baffled by its appearance. This is a unique case of one in a million, said the local vet. The newborn has two heads, but the lower body is the same. In such a case, it is highly unlikely that the calf will survive for too long. However, despite predictions, the calves are appearing to be fit and healthy. They are being kept under observation at an animal care facility in the city, and they are responding very well to the initial treatment. But we will have to see for the longer course. If needed, we can attempt surgery later on. The news of the birth of conjoined twin calves has also attracted the attention of local Hindu believers, who are revering the newborns as godly incarnations. In Hinduism, cows are, are revered as the holiest of all animals and are worshipped. Unless it was born on a Friday, of course, in which case it's the devil's work. That's <laughs> fabulous. You don't see many animals live to adulthood, do you, with two heads is where we are. We had a story a couple of weeks ago about a two-headed snake. Do you remember yes. that? Two for the price of one. We move into our final round. That is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the week that don't fit into any other category, but are too good not to read out live on air. If time travel is possible, where are the tourists from the future? Stephen Hawkins asked in A Brief History of Time. But one scientist believes that time travel is possible, and he has the design for a working time telephone, which he believes will receive messages from the future. Ronald Mallet, 69, is a respected theoretical physicist at the University of Connecticut and the subject of a new documentary, How to Build a Time Machine. He believes that a tunnel of laser light can send messages through time and that a time machine will be built this century. He also thinks he has the answer to Stephen Hawking's question about why we have never seen a time traveller. Mallet's quest to build a time machine has been a lifelong one, inspired by the death of his father when he was aged just 10. The young Mallet, who read a comic book version of H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, vowed to build a machine that would let him travel back and warn his father of the heart attack, which would kill him on his 11th wedding anniversary. What was he doing on his 11th wedding anniversary that strained himself? This is what I'd like to know. <laughs> Ronald Mallet says in How to Build a Time Machine, that needs to be said in a different voice, doesn't it? Ronald Mallet said in How to Build a Time Machine. That sounds like I'm having a stroke. I won't say that again. I would say it was fair to call what I was doing an obsession. I was obsessed with wanting to see my father again. I was obsessed with trying to find out how one could control time. Everything that I became, the whole of my personality, everything about being a physicist was based on my love for my father and my desire to see him again. I had a mission. My goal was to figure out how to build the time machine. He has designed a machine that can twist time using lasers, allowing signals to travel into the past and now hopes to build it. The idea is based on Einstein's theories and the current prototype version of the machine is a series of stacked ring lasers, glowing green with a circular glass tube. Mallet's machine is based on Einstein's general theory of relativity and the fact that light can create gravitational fields. Mallet believes physical time travel is possible, but he thinks that messages could be sent through time in the form of neutrons sent through a tunnel of light. But the one thing Mallet's machine will not be able to do is communicate with his father 
or anyone else in the past. If the machine works as expected, it will only be able to send and receive messages from the moment it is turned on, or the future, and no earlier point. Mallet says when the first time machine is turned on, it will be possible for our descendants to contact us, but will not be able to contact our own ancestors. In theory, at least, this solves Stephen Hawking's problem with time travel. That's very true, isn't it? Stephen Hawking says we will never build a time machine because someone would have come back and told us about it. You see where we are. But he's saying you can't go back any further in time than the first moment that machine's turned on. And that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That all seems to make sense to me. In my little walnut floating around up there, that now makes sense. I've done investigations where using the spirit box or the ghost box where it's scanning am and fm frequencies and it's generating white noise there have been moments in my paranormal career where i've had conversations where the individual involved has said they come from the future i remember an investigation where i said to them when did you die what year did you die in did you die in the 1910s the 1920s the 1930s i'm going through it waiting for him to say yes or stop or give me some indication and i got as far as 2030 and they said yes and i said what you died or you was born in 2030. And they said yes. And so I used the line from Star Trek. You've now speaking to someone from the future. And you can ask them anything you want at that point. And I said I really like sandwiches. Is there sandwiches in the future? And they said yes. And that made me very happy. I wouldn't like to think of a future without sandwiches. Because I like sandwiches. <laughs> so that was the one thing I asked. This person from the future was if sandwiches still exist. And they assured me that sandwiches did exist in the future. So I can die happy now. This makes me happy. If I reach the ripe old age of 60 in 2030, I know I will have sandwiches. That fills me with joy and happiness. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of the very strange and the unusually bizarre? Oh, do you want to hurt stone it? Not particularly. <laughs> like, in like it hurts, doesn't it? Oh, I remember the first time I asked you that and you were so hungry. Yes, I wanted a donut. I didn't realise at the time how dark your mind was. Over the last three years, I think everyone around this table and all of our listeners have come to the conclusion of where your mind is. I have never... And at the time, innocently, of course, just coming off the boat into the land of the Americas, you offer me a donut. And I'm I thinking, did. oh, that would be a nice thing. What, yeah, a nice, what a nice, polite young woman offering me food, like the first Native American exchanges that took place over Thanksgiving. And she says, would you like a Hertz donut? And I'm thinking, well, Hertz must be some sort of company over here that makes fabulous donuts uh, and i'm like okay i'll try one of those <laughs> what happened next ah that, that's that's not exactly what i meant but that reaches the spot yes and then what did you say hurts don't it yes it did and it still hurts and i never got my donut is there a story in here or is this just an there excuse is. to hurt me all right rival donut store owner arrested in hurts donut incident it actually says that, <laughs> yes, does it? it? Oh, so there's more than one sick person. Hong Kim. <laughs> You're not getting away with that. <laughs> Co-owner of Carol Lee Donuts in Selena is accused of driving his car into a crowd of people. They were lined up waiting to buy Hertz Donuts products in Selena. Do you there's believe? actually a place called there Hertz is. Donuts. Yes. So I was right. There was a company that makes donuts. Hertz Donuts. Yes. You've mm-hmm. said this numerous times. No one was injured. <laughs> Except me. The bruise is coming out. 
The Selena Donut Store owner has been arrested and charged in connection with an incident on Thursday morning that involved Wichita's Hertz Donut franchisees. Wichita's Hertz Donut franchise. Yes. Okay. Selena police have I'd like a constant, please. I'd like a vowel, please. <laughs> have arrested Hong Kim, 53, the co-owner of Carolee Donuts in Selena, and charged him with two counts of aggravated assault, a felony, plus one misdemeanor count of child endangerment and one count of reckless driving. Lee went to the police station on Thursday afternoon where he was arrested and charged. I bet there was a fight in the police station to see who could get to the donut factory first. I'm I bet sure there, was, there sh- was an upset, an uproar. Every car had lights <laughs> flashing. The whole squad, the whole patrol went charging down to the donut factory to arrest him. 45 cars turned up. Turned over. <laughs> Turnovers. Kim was upset and he drove his Isuzu SUV toward the line of people waiting to buy donuts. That's not like a saloon then, that SUV. Right. No, no saloon. They had to move out of the way, he said. He ended up bumping the table, causing it to buckle. He did not damage the table, nor were there any donuts that were damaged, (laughs) nor was anyone hit. I like how that comes before anyone being hit. Yes, never mind the kids and the endangerment. (laughs) How are the donuts? Move away from the donuts and no one gets hurt. Well, he left and... um, Well, he just left. He just Uh, left. Yeah, the Hertz truck was actually... The Hertz truck is an ambulance painted with donuts all over it that says Hertz Donuts. It's a traveling donut store type I thought Hertz Van Rental was a Dutch painter. I was wrong. Who knew? I thought he cut his ear off. (laughs) Hertz Van Rental, the famous Dutch impressionist painter. No? No. But they did paint maple bacon bars on it. Does that help? Maple bacon. bacon bars and other decorated donuts. And they were actually planning to donate 10% of the sales to Relay for Life. Until they realized Harry made the holes in his donuts and then he got arrested. That was just, <laughs> that was just Hong Kim. Hong Kim. Talking of Hong, Hong Kim, Kim, what have you got Hong Kim in the round of the stranger <laughs> and the bizarre? Evidently food is the subject today. <laughs> KFC flavored nail polish gives new meaning to chicken fingers. That's uh, yummy. Do you chew your own fingers or someone else's? Your well, choice, maybe. Depends on how much you like chicken. What if you put your hands in a chicken bucket? Would that get the same effect? Is this where we are? Why would you want chicken-flavoured nails? I so don't... you can lick your fingers? I don't know. Okay, you're just <laughs> reading the stories. I hear you. KFC is taking its finger-licking good slogan a bit too far. The fried chicken fast food chain made two edible fingernail polishes for its fans in Hong Kong. Teaming up with ad agency Ogilvy and Mather and food experts at McCormick, Two shades were created that incorporate the restaurant's top secret blend of 11 herbs and spices. Original recipe and hot and spicy. <laughs> Do you want to taste my... What if Burger King you did that? You want to taste my hot and spicy finger? Maybe. I, I was wondering if you wanted to taste my Whopper, actually. This is where we were. But it's a bit early in the evening. That's a Whopper Junior, right? I think you need to get some of this. <laughs> the abuse. I'm not only have I been hit... But my ego has been deflated. I've been abused live on air. There's nothing but rhetoric and platitudes throughout the whole show. I've got bruises coming up on my arm. The whole world now thinks that I've got a Whopper Junior. Even my mum's complaining that I'm not saying anything nice about her. With lettuce and mayo. Oh, the gods of lettuce are coming out again, are they? 
Kim, finish the show. Well, I think we need to get you some of that hot and spicy. Then you'll quit biting your fingernails. I'm going to go to Baddie, paint the place grey and hang myself from a tree. (laughs) (laughs) To use, consumers simply apply and dry like regular nail polish and then lick again and again and again, KFC explains. That's disgusting. So it's like a finger lollipop. Yep. While this is obviously a well-planned ad campaign to boost the brand in one of its Asian markets, KFC really did make this nail polish. It's not making the product widely available, but the company did show off packaging in recent weeks. KFC also made a music video that focuses on the products without any actual fried chicken (laughs) and invites customers in Hong Kong to cast a vote on their favorite flavor. Perhaps if things go well, the chain will develop a Nashville hot chicken version for habitual finger lickers in the U.S. We are crossing our chicken fingers. That's There you go. Chicken popcorn. (laughs) We have now reached the best round of the evening, the final round of the evening, the round that is called Not For Your Mother. Well done to all of those people that are tech savvy and have found us in our archives, whether it be on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. Make sure your mother's out of the room if she's easily offended. If there's any children running around, then obviously chain them to a radiator in the basement. Authorities in China have introduced bizarre new rules for online streaming sites, including a ban on eating bananas seductively. It's very difficult to eat a banana (laughs) and not be seductive. It's a difficult task. People have complained online. I've tried to do it. It's not possible. New regulations mean that live streaming sites must be vigilant to ensure none of their output involves erotic banana eating, according to state media. In April, the Ministry of Culture announced it was investigating several popular websites amid concerns they were hosting material that harms social morality, the consumption of fruit suggestively. But despite the attempted crackdown, such sites are growing in popularity in China, particularly webcam sessions involving young or sometimes underage women. Tell me how you can ever get an underage minor to eat a piece of fruit or vegetable. How's that even possible? Social media was alight amidst the strange news, with many suggesting the ban would be impossible to enforce. According to the BBC, one user suggested that webcam girls would simply find something else phallic to use, saying they will start eating cucumbers, and if that's no good, they'll move on to yams. Or any tubulous vegetation, it seems. Perhaps licking plums would be the way to go. The Chinese government has one of the most restrictive internet (laughs) policies in the world under President Xi Jinping. Social media sites are regularly deleted if they are perceived to be critical of the government and foreign news sites such as the New York Times are blocked. If you wish to see a banana split, you can do so if you visit our site on Facebook. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. (laughs) Why are you looking at me oddly? Is that why you offered to buy me a frozen banana? Yes, that's the exact reason I offered to buy you a frozen banana. Have you only worked that out? (laughs) Yes. I've been trying to get Greg to eat fruit for three years. It's never happened. The closest he gets is tomato ketchup. I'm smoking Swisher Sweets. Hoping that great Swisher Sweets <laughs> give me one of my fruit and veg portions for the day. This there is where we're, if I wake up in the morning and smoke a great Swisher Sweet, then that's one portion. There, you're if at lunchtime I'm smoking a peach Swisher Sweet, there's a second. At the end of the evening, I could be strawberry. 
You see? Could you slice a lemon in a gin and tonic and I've nailed it all day long. There you go. Perfect. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? A male midwife struck off for telling pregnant woman oral sex was good for their health. Yay! That's what I've been saying for years. No one's <laughs> listening to me, are they? It's all about you, sweetheart. This is what I say. I get nothing back but abuses. This is terrible. So we've got bananas and now it's good for our health? Mm-hmm. You say that. There was an Australian gentleman and his wife was in a coma. And she'd been in a coma for six months. And they said to the husband, if you go in there and pull the curtains around, it is said that oral sex, if you perform oral sex on this woman, your wife, it may actually bring her out of the coma. I suppose you want to perform an experiment on that, too. Well, I'm just... (laughs) Do you know anyone in a coma? Anyway, she died because apparently he choked her. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A male midwife has been struck off after telling pregnant mothers that oral sex would help them absorb protein and reduce their blood pressure. I'm just going to wet the baby's head. Hang on. (laughs) It reduces blood pressure? Oh, evidently. How's your blood pressure? (laughs) Kim's got lowest blood pressure ever. She's barely got any blood pressure. It's just the lowest. She's almost lucky to be alive. It's so low. You can hear her heartbeat just going boom, 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 boom. This is where we are. I'm not casting aspersions. She has the lowest blood pressure of anyone around this room. I can't deny it. (laughs) I want to know why Greg is never there when it happens. A nursing and midwifery council, NMC, panel heard Ronald Locke, 48, also told a woman in labor that taking an injection of pethidine, which I looked up, that's the same as Demerol. Okay. Feels like being pissed while working at Southmead Hospital in Bristol. Drunk. Yes. Mr. Locke from Weston Supermare admitted all the disciplinary charges against him, except for not doing observations of mothers during the night. So a male doctor has said to female pregnant women that the best way of getting protein and bringing their blood pressure down is to practice the physical arts yes. orally. Okay. Nice uh, work if you can get it. Any other suggestions he made after that point? <laughs> well, in addition, he pretended his wife had just had an operation at another hospital so he could take some time off. Did he go and buy some Kentucky Fried Chicken nail varnish by any chance? Because <laughs> I can see that being abused is where we are. I know how much you love Kentucky, so I thought I'd, you know... KFC, I thought I'd, you know, we've Not got a romantic yeah, romantic evening. I've got candles, roses, some flowers. I've got a bit of Barry White playing there, and I'm using Kentucky Fried Chicken nail varnish in ways it wasn't meant to be used. And a, and a bunch of bananas. There you go. Do you want a bit of lettuce and some mayo on that? <laughs> full circle, bringing it full circle. Uh, panel chairwoman Leslie White said he showed a complete lack of sensitivity and professionalism really? and breached his duty of care. I'm going to breach my duty of care. Brace yourself. <laughs> Can I see it now, can't you? Speechless. <laughs> Mr. Locke was also accused of not keeping babies warm and not checking on mothers throughout one shift. He had already removed himself from the midwife's register. There, Thank he did goodness. it. Oh. He jumped before he was pushed. Heather, you can bring up the last story. Bring Look it at up you. the rear. You're so happy. Look, you've I got know. a grin on your face like the Joker. Wait till they get a load of me. Dent. Why so serious? Oh, we're stripper music, are we? Yeah. (laughs) That was a mosquito. I don't know how that got in here. That made my lips sore, actually. 
Chesterfield, Virginia grandma wishes to pull dance for her 100th birthday. Oh, and then you hear as her pelvis breaks. Can you believe it? She's going to need a hip replacement for that. A Chesterfield woman is preparing to celebrate her 100th birthday Saturday in an unusual way. You'd be sitting at the back, wouldn't you, at that point? She'll be pushing people to the back (laughs) just in case anyone gets hit with any flying debris. Some asked her what she wanted to do for her 100th birthday, and she said, Said a pole dance. And no sooner had she said it, she said, I don't know why I said that. And the rest <laughs> of us said, We don't know why you said that either, Grandma, great grandma, great 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 grandma. <laughs> I don't know what she was wearing, but it needed ironing. Oh, uh, we didn't even know you knew about pole dancing, Mom, Grandmom, great great grandmom. <laughs> so at nearly a hundred years old, Beatrice. Ingerling, B as we call her down is, the club, is in great health and doesn't require daily medication. That has to be one of the prerequisites, doesn't it? And not smelling of mothballs and pear drops would be another. Oh. Ingerling, a mother of three children, many grandchildren, great grandchildren, and even great great grandchildren, is often referred to as Grandy and even Queen Bee. She's got a stripper See? name. Queen B. We need to be thinking while you're reading this out of what song she'll come on to. <laughs> All right, Thunderbone. Thunderbone? She, well, by ACDC. That's yours. Uh, she wow. lives up to that name, doing everything a queen should. I go to the beauty parlor every week and have my hair did. No, she didn't say that. Have her hair that. did? She had her hair done. I made that up. Oh, that was okay. me. I, I see what you did. Interjected that. I'm thinking of Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. Really? Yes, that's where we're going. Mm, okay. Old time rock and roll. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm happy with that. <laughs> and then only the good the die week. young. And then during the week, someone does it for me. Ingerling thanks oil of Olay and wine to keep in her young and full of life. So that's your recipe. How much wine? Now only a glass a day. It used to be two glasses. She said so. Cutting back. Yeah, she's cutting back. Queen Bee's birthday party will be held in Chesterfield with family and friends Saturday, and the family guarantees to making sure her birthday wish comes true. We have worked it out that we are going to set up a poll for her, and she she's going to come on to do a poll dance. Yes, to the sounds of knocking on heaven's door. There, <laughs> oh, I thought it was stairway to heaven. Oh, we're on. Don't interrupt unless you've got one. We're on a roll. She wants to be very tastefully dressed, not in a leopard print leotard. No, that that would be once suggested. She once suggested that. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) I was thinking a nun, something a bit more, you know, demure. But she will stand up by the pole because that is her dream. Ingerling's family created a Facebook group online, and I haven't gone on it yet. It's called 100 Days to 100 Years. For the 100 days until her 100th birthday, Miss Beatrice will receive small presents from family, friends, and loved ones. She even received a letter from President Obama and the First Lady. They are sharing these special moments on Facebook, but her real surprise will be presented to her at her birthday party on Saturday. Happy 100th, Beatrice. I know what that is. I'm a psychic. They bought her a pole. They would have bought her a pole. If you that s- was already in the story. You don't have to be psychic for that one. No, they've brought her a surprise present. Do you ever think they'd rub the pole with Bengay just to give her a chance? Or butter. Oh. 
That's a slippery slope downhill, isn't it? Right there. Crisco. Oh, that's like the spray can, isn't it? That's like spraying a frying pan. Yeah. If anyone wishes to see a hundred-year-old woman on a Crisco pole dancing to knocking on heaven's door, there's a Facebook site now available. You can't complain that this isn't a public information service, have we? Just talking about that leaves a nasty taste in my mouth. I'm sorry. I can't go there. It's an oldie but a goodie. Apparently. We shall see what happens in the next couple of weeks and we shall let our listeners know. We shall see. I don't She's going to end up in hospital with a hip replacement. You mark my words. This is where we are. I've just got this image of her pointing to all the men sat at the front and they need to go to the back of the auditorium. There could be a lot of things <laughs> flying out of control. Do you see where we are? You've never had to go to a birthday party with dollar bills. Well, maybe you have. Go on, keep going. I'll tell you if I've been to one or not. I've never been to a party where, where what? you had to bring a pocket full of dollar bills. So it <laughs> rains. <laughs> yeah, make it's, it rain money. It's making up a pension, this is. <laughs> Just like at wedding dances and you hand the underage, your underage son a dollar to go dance with the bride, you know? That's I, where you are. Do you suppose that uh, some of the parents will hand the underage kids a dollar? <laughs> there you go. Go and give that to your great-grandmother. Ask Ooh. her to take her teeth out. Why is there worth as originals all around the floor? <laughs> this has gone far too badly south in the wrong direction. On that happy note. What do you think she'll be wearing? Very little. I don't know. It depends. I don't like old age creeping over me. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I'm sorry. Happy birthday, Beatrice. <laughs> You've killed the mood. Anything that was being stirred up has just died instantly. You were getting stirred up? That's disgusting. <laughs> I like old age creeping over me. Experience is what you want. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Greg, who scored a resplendent minus two. I am in third place on four, and Kim and Heather are tied for the lead on five points each and can share the $33,000 IR camera. Perhaps you could have a week and you can exchange it every other week. How would that be? Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Good night.